Well, John reminded us last week about the eternal God becoming flesh. And I was just sitting there thinking about the virgin birth and the birth of children and, and the passage that we, we heard from Matthew about the death of, of, of those children that, that Herod, Herod brought about. And um, just confronted so many times the, this past week about the horrible tragedy. Wicked, wicked people. Uh, in the world, the tragedy of the murder of of those 150 plus children in in Pakistan this past week by the by the the Taliban, the Islamic radicals that 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 were there, and it was just thinking about how I mean that just grips the heart of it cuts across cultural uh, barriers. I mean, as an American, I'm not in Pakistan. It wasn't my child, but but I could just. Just such what I mean. Just immediately feel for it. Such a horrible, horrible thing. The death of a child creates, invokes a, a great amount of emotion. But a birth of a child does as well, doesn't it? I mean, the only place in the hospital that people enjoy to go is the birthing center, the birthing ward. Now, now the the mother might not enjoy going there on the front end. But she really likes it at some point after the, after the child is, is born. I mean, nobody enjoys, I mean, you may enjoy bringing uh, happiness to someone who's in the hospital, but nobody enjoys going to the hospital. I don't think anybody enjoys going in the midst of the hospital because you know you're going visiting someone sick. But, but you get a sense of joy going into the mother-baby unit that, that is there. Christmas is a time of joy because there was a... There was a birth. Now, Jesus did it the, did it the, the, the other way around. The, the, the birth came and then the death. And so we get joy on both ends. We rejoice at his birth. We also rejoice at his death because death couldn't hold him. That's not the end of Jesus. He rose from the dead. So we, as Christians, have, have joy at birth and, and joy at death. And, and Christmas is about the incarnation. It's also about the, the virgin birth. As we saw last week, in spite of, of who we are, in all of our sinfulness, God did not leave us without help. And because God didn't leave us without help, then we are not without hope. He came to us that we might be able to, to come to Him. And as we saw last week, it's a foundational truth to your faith. It's foundational to the message of the gospel. Jesus is God. If Jesus is not God, then you have no salvation. If you do not believe that Jesus is God, then you have no salvation in Him. He, it's, it's, there's no way that you can take that out of the Bible and call yourself a Christian. There's no way that you can weave the gospel together, no matter what crazy path you try to take, and remove the deity of Christ and have salvation. Like that, you cannot take away the virgin birth and have Christianity or salvation either. Those of you who have lived for a period of time, you may remember the God is dead movement. The, the periods of time in history, not just in modern history in the 1900s, but long before that, there's always been an attack on, on the truth. There's always been an attempt to remove the, the miraculous from the Bible, the supernatural from the Bible. Well, Jesus is a good teacher, follow His teachings and and you'll, you'll, you'll have a good life. It's a, 
it's a good it's a good way to live. It's 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 got the Bible has great wisdom in it, and yet God doesn't just present a way to live or wisdom. He presents supernatural revelation about what He has done because of our predicament and and our sin. And the virgin birth is is part of that. As I told you last week, I think that we 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 become numb to 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 the weight of of, of these truths. I mean, we repeat the story over and over Christmas every year, and we we just we just lose the the, the theological weight of the virgin birth that that you've heard the story so many times that it doesn't take our breath away like it should. I mean, you think about this. Here is the timeless, transcendent God. Okay, God is not bound by time. He's not bound by space. He's not bound by matter. He's the Creator. He's as far in that direction and in that direction, and in every direction. The timeless, transcendent God who existed outside of time, who created time and matter, entered time in the world that He created. I mean, how is that possible? And yet that's exactly what He did. At the moment of the incarnation, eternity bound itself in time and transcendence took upon itself matter. That's God. Eternity entered into time and transcendence wrapped itself up in in matter. And at that moment, God humbled Himself and laid aside the continual worship that He'd known from from the beginning, laid aside his, his, His exercise of certain parts of His godness or His attributes. He never ceased to be anything. Just voluntarily set those aside so He could come and, and live for you and die for you and raise for, from the dead for you. And He was conceived in the womb of a daughter of, of Eve. Now, now think about that. You see a baby coming out of a womb and, you know, it's all, it's been in there, it's all crinkled up, there's just no room in there. And here is, here's God who's boundless, who who is conceived in the womb of a daughter of Eve. And in Christmas, you have the incarnation and the virgin both birth, and both are necessary for salvation. And I want to, want to focus on that this morning. So open your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke in the first chapter. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. We'll talk some more about Mary and Joseph and the and the Magi and the shepherds on Christmas Eve. But I'll just point out to you how Luke records for for Theophilus this this announcement. This announcement given to Mary in private about how she will will come to to bear Christ. Verse 26, now in the sixth month, the, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to, to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was, was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now, you talk about an entrance. You talk about... Scaring you half to death. 
And Mary is frightened. And when she saw him, she was troubled. Troubled at seeing him and troubled at his saying, considered what manner of greeting this was. And then the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. Behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now, there's so much preaching material there, so much connection to the Old Testament, to the Foundation series, and we can't touch on any of it because we don't have time. Look at verse 34. Then Mary said to the angel, what you would have said, How? How can this be, since I don't know a man? Um, as when I was growing up in the 80s, the um, different strokes was on, and the, the little guy, the little uh, boy said, What you talking about, Willis? You remember that? Yeah, that's what Mary's thinking. You know, what are you talking about, angel? How can this be? I don't know a man. And the angel answered and said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One which is, who is born to you shall be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her age, in her old age, and now she is in the sixth month for who was called barren. For her who was called barren, for with God, nothing, nothing, nothing will be impossible. you believe that? The virgin birth is a necessary part of salvation. And, and in verse 34, 35, and, and 36, 37, so 34 through, through 37, there, there are three things that are, that are taught here. First... It was a supernatural miracle. The virgin birth is a, is a supernatural miracle. Now, now, the incarnation stands alone, but, but it comes by the way of, the, of this supernatural miracle called a virginal conception. The, the angel, this is a significant angel. This is the angel Gabriel. When an angel is named, it's significant. It's significant because this significant angel brings a significant announcement. And this announcement is something that has been foretold for a long time. This is an announcement that, that wasn't... This is not new revelation, okay? This is revelation that goes all the way back to David. It goes back to Abraham. It goes back even to the book of, the book of, of Genesis. It was also spoken of of the prophets. The prophet Isaiah foretold 750 years earlier to the unbelieving king of Judah, Ahaz, a virgin would conceive and bear a son. And it would be a sign of the Messiah's coming. Listen to Isaiah 7.13. Mary knows this verse very well. She went to synagogue. She, She understands. She doesn't ask, how can can this prophecy be fulfilled? She says in verse 34, how can this be since I don't know a man? She doesn't say, how can a virgin be with a, be, be with a child? I, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never heard of this prophecy before. She's well aware of the prophecy. She wants to know how this can, 
physically happen because she doesn't have a husband. She understands Isaiah 7.13 when Isaiah said, Hear now, O house of David, it is a small thing for you to weary men, but you weary God also. Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and listen, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And there's the virgin birth and the incarnation, right? In the same verse, 750 years before it happened. The sign that will come is a virgin will conceive. There's the virgin, virginal conception, the virgin birth. And we'll call his name Emmanuel. There's the incarnation. God will be with us. And God will come through the, through the virgin birth. And that declaration from Isaiah, who was a prophet, a prophet to God's people, it was a sign... It was a declaration of judgment to Ahaz's unbelief. And it was also a declaration of salvation to the future house of Judah and ultimately you and me and all the world. There would be a virgin who would conceive. God, the second person of the Trinity, would enter time and space and take along with His deity human flesh. And he would be conceived in a most miraculous kind of way. A virgin would be found with child. Miraculously brought about by the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what you find here, 750 years later. And, you, know, you, you will find people that, that will argue today that modern medicine has the ability to provide for conception outside of the normal process, right? I mean, there, there are procedures called in vitro fertilization and, and other things that, that are used to help people have children that, that, that can't. But even those advanced procedures require the same components that natural birth does. It's just that medicine intervenes in, in some way. The two same components are, are there that's required for, for the birth of, uh, of any baby. But a virginal conception of Jesus was very different. It was supernatural. It was natural. In the sense that the, that the birth of Christ was, was, was natural and normal in every way. It was a, she carried Jesus for nine months. There was a full period of human gestation in the womb of, of Mary. There wasn't, you know, any super force field around Jesus in Mary's belly. She got big. She got stretch marks. All of the normal things that you would have in, in a birth. It was, it was, it was natural, and that was to fulfill what Scripture says, in all points Jesus was made like His brethren, experiencing every aspect of human life, from conception through birth to growth to death. He was a true man in every detail, except for sin. And except for the physical effects of sin. Now, that's pretty significant, right? You men in here are true men in every detail, except you have sinned. And you have the physical effects of sin. I can see it on you right now. True man in every detail. But Jesus was without sin, and that's the super part. Supernatural. The Holy Spirit would supply by special creation the human component ordinarily supplied by the man. He would use and sanctify Mary, and that's what the Bible means about the virgin birth. In that moment of human history, God would be conceived in the womb of a daughter of Eve. The act itself taking place by the, by the Holy Spirit. It was, it was supernatural. Verse 35. 
The angel answered and said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. It will be by the Holy Spirit that this will, that this will take place. Here's a virgin, just like Isaiah said, who is not known a man, and she conceives, and the Holy Spirit is involved in that conception by a special act of creation, providing what was necessary. With Mary, sanctifying that to bring forth the Christ child. Supernatural. It was a supernatural miracle. It was also a biological miracle. It was also a biological miracle. Look at verse 34. Here's the biological part. Verse 35 is the supernatural part. Verse 34 is the biological part. Then Mary says, how can this be since I don't know a man? I mean, there's two components here and I'm missing one is what Mary is, is saying. Biologically, I know how this works. You know, all of what the angel said is a pretty hard thing to comprehend, I would say. Especially for somebody who's a teenager. People argue about how old she was. There were some betrothed down to 13 years of age. Was she 13? Was she 16? Was she older than that? I don't know. Regardless, this would be a pretty heavy message to take, wouldn't it? You think about, with us, we have the Bible, we see Christ transform people, we, we sit in church, we have other believers around us, and think of how we doubt the simplest of things that the Bible declares. And here, an angel appears. And you say, well, if an angel appeared to me, I would believe that. I would believe something as supernatural as that. I don't think you would. For Mary, she's, she's just heard from an angel that she's going to conceive a baby. And not to make mention of who this baby is going to be, think of Joseph. I mean, Joseph, not only is his betrothed wife, they haven't had the marriage yet, so they haven't come together in the marriage yet, they haven't even had the ceremony yet, they've been betrothed, which usually lasted about a year, a period of time. And he hears that a baby's been conceived by the Holy Spirit, and this baby's the Messiah, foretold by the great prophet Isaiah foretold by a verse that you've heard, whether you're Mary or Joseph, in the synagogue since you were a young child. Wouldn't that be pretty heavy? Both Mary and Joseph, being Jews, would have been looking for Christ. And now after years of anticipation, the Christ child has come, and He's going to be born to you. Wouldn't that be pretty heavy? Mary didn't feel anything. The Bible doesn't tell us that you know there wasn't any any glow over her womb. You see some of these nativity scenes where the angel is there and there's a glow about it and the, and the, you know, the little basket down there, the, the food trough or whatever it is with the straw. You know, Jesus has got this, you know, Catholic halo on his head. I mean, there's nothing like that. No glow on her belly. I mean, there's no, there's no physical sign there to indicate to Mary anything has Anything has taken place. Only the words of God spoken through His, through His messenger. And so Mary asks this logical question, how can this be? Matthew is very specific in his wording. He says the birth of Jesus was as follows. His mother Mary had been betrothed, and before they came together, she was found to be with child. This is not a scandalous cover-up, but a very clear biological Miracle 
And the angel not only answers the question that the Holy Spirit is going to bring the supernatural part, but he points her back to other biological miracles. Look at what he says here in verse 35. The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. There's a supernatural part. Therefore also the Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, now behold. Here's the biological part. Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and she is now in the sixth month for her who was called barren. I love how the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians, whenever people ask about how can, about the resurrection, 1 Corinthians 15, he talks about the resurrection, they're saying, you know, how can that be? I mean, wow, really? A resurrection? A new physical body? I mean, I get following Jesus and I get your message of the gospel, but I mean, a resurrected body. I can see this flesh and blood. I love how the Apostle Paul basically says, what do you mean? You see resurrections all the time. You put a seed in the ground. It dies and it comes up out of the ground. That's a resurrection. It goes in a seed. It comes out of corn plant. I mean, God has the ability to give bodies to the stars in the sky, to fish that are in the sea in their environment, to the birds that are in their environment. God can give a body to you that's fit for this environment. I mean, he's basically saying, come on, why such unbelief? You, you believe those things, you see them all the time. Why wouldn't you believe that God could give you a resurrected body? I mean, the angel's basically doing the same thing to Mary here. Behold, Elizabeth, your relative. He says the Holy Spirit will come upon you. He'll be the source, supplying by special creation. Special creation, what you're lacking, Mary. His power will overshadow you. It will result in conception and will sanctify that part of, of, of you, Mary. So there won't be any sin nature. Notice the therefore. There's the cause and effect. The Holy Spirit will do this, therefore. That Holy One, the baby that will be born, will be called the Son of God. There's the cause and effect. Because of the Holy Spirit, therefore, this is what's going to happen. This is not a normal child. You're a normal woman, Mary. I mean, you're not, you're not sinless. You're, you're not to be worshipped. You're, not, you're a, a normal woman. But because of the Holy Spirit, what will be born, the effect will be, this will be the Son of, of God. And the confirmation of this biological, supernatural miracle is your cousin Elizabeth. She who was called barren is with child. Your relative Elizabeth also has conceived a son in her old age. And look at what he says in verse 37. For with God, nothing will be impossible. You know what all that's a reference to? It's a reference to Abraham and Sarah. It's a reference to Abraham and, and, and Sarah. There's a twofold confirmation here. There's an echo of Abraham and Sarah reminding Mary that what God promised, He does. What, what, what He promises, He does. And, and nothing's impossible with Him. I mean, everybody said it was impossible for, for Sarah to give birth to Isaac. And God even waited with Abraham and, and Sarah, allowing them to, to go through all of the trying to help God out process that they went through until she was past menopause to where they even believed it was impossible. 
And then God made the impossible possible, because with God nothing is impossible. I mean, that's what the angel is saying. Look back at verse 7 of, of Luke, chapter 1. Listen to what is told to Zacharias when he was in the temple. Verse 6, And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. I mean, that's a, your mind is to immediately go back to Abraham and, and Sarah. Now, John the Baptist was, was also foretold in the book of Isaiah. He's the one who prepares the way for the Lord. He's the one that will announce that the Messiah is coming on the scene. Coming on the scene. It's now God's timing. And that literally means He was coming to prepare people for the Lord. His conception begins that process. He reminds the people of the promise to Abraham and Sarah, even the way that he's born. Sarah and Abraham were old and past childbearing. Sarah had completed menopause, so had Anna. Just as God appeared to Abraham, an angel appeared to, to, to Zacharias. Abraham struggled to believe God. So did John the Baptist's father. Mary knew Isaac had been born, right? How did Mary know Isaac had been born? She's a descendant of Isaac. Guarantee you Isaac had been born or Mary wouldn't be standing there. And if God could bring a biological miracle to Sarah, He could for her as well. But just to help Mary even more, God would give her a miracle that was closer to home. It would be Elizabeth her own cousin, who she knew that was barren. It's an example of what God could accomplish. Points them back and points her to something right here and now. God is reminding miracle of Mary of biological miracles in the past. And God is showing Mary a biological miracle right here in front of her face. It would be her own relative, Elizabeth. Who would just so happen to bear? John the Baptist. Who just so happened 750 years ago, according to the prophet Isaiah, would be the one who would come in the spirit of Elijah and prepare the way for the Lord to announce that Jesus has come, the Messiah has come. And Elizabeth, past the age of childbearing, would be found by Mary to be six months pregnant. She is old in age and known as a barren woman is what... The original language literally says. God tells Mary it's going to happen. He tells her how it's going to happen. He reminds her of His promise to Abraham, then shows her that as He can cause a woman who is barren to be with child, He can do it today. And He's basically saying, if I can do it for someone who is past ability, then I can do it for someone like you who is before ability. It's a supernatural birth. It's a supernatural miracle. It's a biological miracle. God has power over, over the womb. Did you pray for your child? Maybe you didn't have time. Maybe it just happened. You probably prayed for your child after you knew that you were, you were pregnant. Some of you prayed for the child. Why did you pray? Because you know God has power over the womb. <laughs> you know that God has the ability 
to do things. And even when, when, when time and experience and medicine and everything else says it's impossible, you still pray because you know that God has the ability to take things that look impossible and make them possible because He has the ability to do that. A virgin birth was foretold from the beginning. Genesis 3, the seed will come from the woman. We're not told how. Genesis 12, the promise of Abraham. Moses, a nation would come from the seed. Isaiah 7, Elizabeth, Mary visited by an archangel. It's confirmed to Joseph by an angel. It's confirmed to both of them by shepherds. Confirmed by Anna. It's confirmed by the Magi. I mean, what more proof is, is needed from creation to Abraham to Moses to the prophets to the Christmas story? And all of that supernatural and miracle and the biological miracle, it was also a symbolic miracle, wasn't it? The virgin birth is a symbolic miracle. It's a symbolic miracle about the miracle that can transpire and must transpire in your heart. You can't give birth to yourself. The Spirit must give birth to you. There is, a, there is a great bridge that must be crossed. There's a great chasm that, that is there. John the Baptist was the forerunner to prepare for Christ. And his miraculous birth prepared Mary. And his prophetic words prepare us. Look over at, just a couple chapters over, at Luke chapter 3. Here's the ministry of John the Baptist. John has grown up. He's baptizing. Look at verse 4. It's written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make His path straight. Look at verse 6. All flesh shall see the salvation of God. Then He said to the multitudes that came out, to be baptized to him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee the wrath that is to come. Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not begin to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. Don't begin to say to yourself, I have a natural birth. I have a natural birth and that's enough. If, I'll just, if I will just live the way that God tells me to live, that's enough. For I say to you, God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. God has the ability to take inanimate objects and raise up children for Himself. You're not special just because of your natural birth. You are a creation of God. You are a creation of God. You have been made in His image and likeness, but don't think that that's enough to get you to heaven. Don't think that that's enough to hold you so special in God's eyes that He will overlook your sin. That's what John is saying. Repent! Bear forth fruits worthy of repentance. Give evidence that you have been born not once, but you've been born twice. Because God has the ability to, to raise up these stones as a new creation. He's basically saying to them, don't think that you're more special than you are and that God is going to do it some other way than He's promised to do it. Look at verse 9. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees, therefore every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. There will be a moment of testing. P. 
People are coming to be baptized and some are submitting to that. Look at verse 15. The people were in expectation and reasoned in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not. And John answered and said to all, Now watch this, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He's talking about the second birth. Just as the Holy Spirit can overshadow Mary and by His power make something that was impossible possible, He can and must, by His power, overshadow you and do the exact same thing or you'll never enter heaven. Just as the Spirit, by special creation, (laughs) must make something in Mary that was not there before, so must He, by His special work of recreation, do that for you. You must be born again. (laughs) You must be born from above. The Spirit must give birth to you. It's not your natural birth that gets you into heaven. It's your spiritual birth that gets you into heaven. You must have a supernatural, miraculous birth. And the virgin birth is testifying of that. Listen to 2 Corinthians 4, 7. We do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus is Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, light shall shine out of darkness... What's he talking about? Creation. Genesis 1. Is the one who is shown in our hearts to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Just as God said, let there be light, and there was physical light. The Holy Spirit says, let there be light, and there is spiritual light in your hearts through the proclamation of the gospel. John 3. And God promised long ago. You must be born again. You can't cause your own birth. The Spirit must give birth to you. But the Spirit is willing to give birth to you. He is not willing that you remain in your dead condition. He is willing that if you will repent and believe... And if you will come to Christ and you will lay all of your works on on the altar before Him, today is the day of salvation. He said a mouthful. These latter days, Paul talks about, the day of salvation is now. It just simply means that, that everything's completed. God has inaugurated the last days, meaning that Christ has come and all the testimony that's been given is, needs to be given and, and all the work that needs to be done has been done. And Jesus said from the cross, it's been accomplished, it's finished. And, and God gave testimony that Jesus was who He said He was through raising Him from the dead. So He says to you, believe. And you too can be raised from the dead one day. Praise His name, Dave. Amen. Amen. So I just ask you, what more does He have to do to convince you to believe? Can you not look around you and see the change, the miraculous change that God has made in other people's lives that you know?
course you can find people that will give bad testimony. But don't use them as an excuse for the ones that you know that God has truly changed like it was in my life. Man, Theda Lewis was the one lady I could not escape. I loved pointing to the preachers on the TV and the other you know, deacons that did whatever they did. But there was a woman who had Christ in her and I could not get around her. She gave a testimony to me that was undeniable. God has given His testimony in His Word. The Jewish people are testimony enough for the fact that they are still here. Don't allow your unbelief of going, how could a virgin birth take place? How could a resurrection take place? When God has testified to you all around you of little resurrections, of little miracles, all the while to point you to the great miracle, which was the moment in which He came into time to do for you what you could not do, so that the gospel could be proclaimed to you today, so that as you're sitting here listening to it, the Spirit could say to you, that's true, that's true. (laughs) Repent, believe, come to Christ, lay yourself before Christ, and you too will be saved. He's willing. Are you? That's the question, isn't it? you bow your heads. Oh, He wants to give you a supernatural birth. Supernatural miracle. No greater miracle ever known than the new birth. It's a biological miracle. One day your body is going to be laid in the ground and it's going to succumb to sin. But the body coming out of the ground is a miracle. Symbolic of what must happen to you. You can't do it yourself. The Spirit must do it, and the Spirit is willing. If you'll believe upon Jesus. Father, as we come before you, we praise you for just being reminded of these great truths. I thank you for the new birth. I thank you that. By special creation, you made me a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away and all things have become new. And I thank you that you can do that for any person who will look to Christ. Oh, Father, I pray that people this morning would look to Christ, would repent and believe. How can they know they'll bring forth fruits worthy? You bring forth fruits, evidence of being alive. Father, we wouldn't say a a dead tree in the ground with all of its leaves off that that never sprouted any, any green or any fruit. We wouldn't say that tree was living. So you make us new and you make us alive. Alive and you bear fruit. Thank you for that. We love you, Lord. We thank you for Christmas. We thank you for all that we've heard and done this morning. We pray that you would be glorified. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.